what do you eat for breakfast most days? Most days I eat some kind of protein, marinated onions, and arugula. What's your favorite go-to snack? I would say an apple with some almond butter. What's your favorite takeout food? Mostly I don't do takeout food, but if I was going to, it would absolutely be McDonald's fries. So excluding spices and oils, what are your top three pantry ingredients? Oh, okay. Well, marinated onions for sure, feta, sumac, Aleppo pepper. Any kitchen gadgets you can't live without? I love my slicer. I slice my marinated onions on. I use it so much for gluten-free cooking, so a fabulous slicer. Is that like a mandolin? Nope, it's better because it's electric and it's easy to use and it's actually inexpensive. Ooh, cool. Hey, Jay. Hey, Tedra. So we're really excited to be chatting with Terry Turner on the podcast today. She's a kitchen goddess behind No Crumbs Left. She requires little introduction to the Whole30 community and is a mentor to many bloggers, including some of our past guests. Terry is passionate about bringing family and friends to the table to share a meal, conversation, and a little bit of love. She inspires us to get into the kitchen and create healthy and beautiful meals. Her heroin chicken and marinated onions have gone absolutely viral, and if you've ever tasted them, you know why. She fills her life with food-related adventures, including cooking, traveling, writing, and talking about food. In addition to her food blog and social platforms, she's a regular contributor to Whole30 Recipes and an editor at The Feed Feed. We loved our conversation with Terry. She talks about why and how she started the blog, her recent in-person meeting with Melissa Hartwig, and the important and close relationship she has with her adult children. So in honor of Terry herself, let's go. You're listening to We Get to Know Podcast. And for years, we've all been following some of the most inspiring creatives, innovators, social media influencers, and bloggers. Simply put, we get inspired. The next best thing to following our favorite people is hearing their stories straight from them. So listen in as we get to know Terry. Hey, Terry, welcome to the show. Thanks so much. I'm excited to be here. I am so excited to talk to you. I've been following you for quite a while. I stumbled upon you probably in the regular way. I did my first Whole30 about two and a half years ago after an autoimmune disease diagnosis. And when I found your feed, I was like in heaven. I mean, such a lifeline when I was feeling a little bit deprived and trying to figure out what to make every day. So I'm just really excited to be talking to you today. Well, I'm happy to be here also. So we love getting a little bit of history. I'd love to hear where you're originally from, siblings, your parents, what your growing up situation was like, and especially what it was like with food, if you were in the kitchen a lot. Sure. I'm in my 50s. I grew up in a suburb of Chicago, one of three sisters. I'm the youngest and my parents. We were a super close-knit family. I'm thinking about my relationship with food. So my mother didn't like to cook at all. And she had a complicated relationship with food because she always really struggled with her weight. So Mm. she certainly knew how to put a meal on the table, but there was no joy for her in cooking. And so it didn't occur to me growing up that there could be a joy in cooking. Mm. When I left my house and went out on my own, it was like a revelation to realize that dinner parties and cooking was not just something about putting food on the table, but was something that just was really a total passion. So when I moved out and I moved out on my own and I was living downtown, I discovered the joy of cooking. And it's been the passion of a lifetime for me. It's taken me through you know, births and deaths, divorces, marriage, and everything in between. And it's the thing I absolutely love to do. And it is most definitely cooking is the love of my life. 
Mm, so awesome. And it translates to, I think, if anybody ever is watching your stories on Instagram or just any of your videos, it's like, I feel like it's a cross between cooking with my mom and like an Ina Garten. And it's just full of love and homemade. And I love it. Thank you. <laughs> so all you listeners who don't know about Terry, get on it. No crumbs left. So what did you end up doing? Like, did you go to college and did you have a side career before blogging? Yeah, I definitely had a whole side career. Okay. I worked actually for a caterer. I was an account executive. So essentially I designed parties. That was before there were really party planners. Mm. Really fun job. So we would, you know, work with brides or dinner party hosts and we would create all kinds of wonderful menus for them and take the party sort of from beginning to end. And that's like arriving at the house with a chef and, you know, seeing the party come to life. So that was something I did. And I did various things. I was an account executive for a travel company, sold travel services. I was a product manager for a vacation package company. And then I was a mother and, you know, and everything in between. I've also been in event production. So high-scale, amazing events. Awesome. That's cool. So when did you start having babies? How old were you with your first? I was in my young 30s when I started having babies. And you have how many kids? I have two kids. Okay. And we'll get into that. I want to hear more about the fabulous kids. (laughs) So were you always into cooking then? Once you discovered it sort of after you moved out and realized there was such a love of it, did you really start fostering that love throughout the years? And how'd that translate into motherhood? Oh, I definitely fostered it throughout the years. I mean, from the moment I really discovered that I love to cook, that's just been so much a part of my journey. And that kind of journey, you know, is lifelong because the more you know, the more there's, you really don't know anything. Mm -hmm. So it's always about experimentation. It's always about learning. There's always about reading and doing research, but it's a whole lot of fun to do all of that. And it's really been a fun journey. And By the time my kids came along, I mean, I certainly was into more of a natural foods bent. Mm. And so cooking for people that I love, cooking for my kids, cooking for my parents, cooking for friends, you know, it's been a joy for me. There's nothing I love more than gathering people around a table and eating delicious food. And it's a way to just show your love too. I mean, you're feeding the soul and the body and the mind and the conversation at the table, all of it. It's a powerful place. Yes, absolutely. Awesome. So... You're having your kids. When did the introduction to Whole30 and your involvement with that specific diet come into play? Maybe it was four years ago. I was divorced with a long-term partner. My kids, at that point, they're probably not totally out of the house, but my son probably is and Lucy's still here. And a friend said, I think you guys would love Whole30. You and Roy, you know, you want to live a long life and feel great. And I think you should consider doing a Whole30. So I did. I lasted, you know, about the 30 days. Probably Roy lasted about 12. (laughs) But it opened up something for me that it was totally aligned with the way that I cook. And what I realized is if you can cook amazing food and not have sugar in it, why not? I mean, if you could mostly cook that way. So for me, it was able to take a lot of recipes and sort of take them old school make them whole 30. And I think that's really my expertise. It's like, it's, I'm not a trained chef. Mm -hmm. What I like to say is I'm just a girl that likes to eat. (laughs) So that leads me to, you know, a love of food and all things like farmers and, you know, shopping and all of the places that food came because the journey has taken me places over this many years. It's taking me much more to a natural foods. It's much more to local and in season. 
So it's really changed. And Whole30 has not been entirely that, but it's been a part of that journey. Mm. So I, you know, did a Whole30. I really liked it. I liked, you know, the way my skin felt and looked and I liked the way I felt. And I used it on and off very regularly for a number of years. I travel a lot. So when I'm home, I would do a Whole30. And then, you know, when I'm traveling, you know, I wouldn't. So, you know, I did many, many versions of it and I did many resets is really what I'm trying to say Mm -hmm. myself. Yeah, I'm in the same boat too. I was interviewing somebody who said, you can't ever unlearn what you learn on a Whole30. And it's like sort of what you're saying, like you do a Whole30 and you see how good you can feel and you see what you can make. I mean, you discover blogs like yours and you get creative in the kitchen and you see how food... It doesn't have to be feeling like you're totally deprived. You can eat delicious food and feed your body all the right stuff and not have all the sugars in it. And you can't unlearn that. I mean, it sticks with you forever. And I'm the same way. So if I start feeling junky, I'll do like a whole 15 or a whole 30 again and kind of reset it all. Was the blog four years ago as well that you started it? Blog was more like three years ago. Okay. I, you know, never intended to be a food blogger. You know, I just was sort of on my food journey and I was sharing on my Instagram with family and friends where I was going, what I was eating, what I was doing. And an audience showed up one person at a time. Mm. I think when you're destined to do something, all kinds of miracles, all kinds of things happen all of the time to put you in the right place to meet the right person at the right time. So it hasn't been, you know, effortful to make it happen. I mean, it's been a lot of hard work, that is for sure. But you know, since I didn't say I want to be a food blogger, it literally happened to me. It was like one thing after another. One of the first things that happened was I was contacted by a startup magazine and they said, we'd really like you to be our food writer. Hmm. And I said, well, I don't really know how to write, but I do know, you know, the language of food. And so even though it was way beyond my skis, way beyond, you know, what I could do, I said yes to it. And that sort of began something. And I wrote articles for them and some of the articles ended up on Huffington Post and kind of went viral. And, you know, it just started a train running in a certain direction that I don't think I could have ever anticipated, planned. And that was before we had the blog, Mm. you know, so things just kept growing. There were things I did. I became a feed feed editor. And, you know, I think at that point I really decided I like, I wanted to do a whole 30 feed for the feed feed because they have all of these different feeds. Oh yeah. And so I contacted over at whole 30 and said, Hey, we're doing this and I want to make sure I'm doing it right. And there were things that we didn't know, like it's trademarked and you put whole and 30 together and you have to be sure to have no recipes that are, you know, what we call swipe Right. So there was more to it than what I thought, but eventually, you know, it became hard to write down the recipe for heroin chicken every single time someone needed it. So Eventually, my daughter said, well, you have to start a Facebook. And I was like, well, Facebook, why would anyone want to be on Facebook? So she took the pictures. And at that point, she was editing all of the pictures. And she took the tile of pictures and she put it up on Facebook. And she, you know, sent it to friends who sent it to friends who sent it to friends who sent it to friends that all said, oh, let's all follow Terry. Let's all follow Lucy's mom. You know, I mean, today we have 433,000 people following on Facebook. Oh my gosh. Yeah. This is amazing. You've had such incredible growth for three years. It feels like when I'm looking at your feed, whether it's on Facebook or Instagram or whatever, it seems like you've been around and doing this forever. I mean, it's, first of all, it's super curated and beautiful. The food's amazing. And I cannot believe how much you've grown. I mean, I can believe it because you're awesome and the content's awesome. So I get it. So was it just totally gradual and one kind of little miracle thing after another? Totally. It was just one little miracle after another. I, 
at that point, I knew that doing collaborations was a good idea. I'm a business person and a marketer. Mm. So from the get-go, I reached out to brands. When I was small, I reached out to you know, well-known brands and said, hey, would you like to partner with me? And so you know, what happens is you get one yes, and then you go to the other brand, and you're like, well, so-and-so partners with me, and they say yes. But it was just like, Every time I, I looked and I asked, somebody said, sure. You know, so I partnered with people and we did things together. And I went over and did takeovers places. And I just kept putting myself out there. You know, for example, I contacted Whole30 and said, I'd really like to do a takeover. And a funny thing is, is that Jen, who I love and loves me, kind of at that point was like very nice to me, but like, we're not 100% sure you're right for the page sort of a thing, <laughs> which I love. It's so funny. Yeah. So I said, well, here's the thing. If you let me do this, I'm going to bring it. I'm absolutely going to deliver and you are going to be glad you did. And she said, okay. And I did my first takeover probably six months after I started the blog. Oh, wow. And we only started the blog because we had to, because there had to be places where we could put the recipes. And quite literally in the beginning, we didn't tell anyone. I was like, I'm not a blogger. Mm -hmm. I'm not a writer. So we just set up the blog, Zach did. And it was like, we're going to put all of that over there. But the reality was, I didn't want to say I was a blogger. So if people said, I need the recipe for this, we'd give them a link. But we were like, but I'm not introducing the blog at this point. So it was like, right. it was literally kicking and screaming. But, you know, so when things are meant to be, sometimes they just happen. And that was the case. Wow. What are your biggest surprises in the last three years? Everything has been a surprise. I'm surprised daily. And it's like, if we're not surprised daily, and if we don't live in the world of wonder... And if we don't live in that world of accepting transition and jumping on the bandwagon and, you know, skiing way beyond our skis, mm-hmm. then that is a problem. So I am surprised daily, but, you know, like one thing after another has happened and there's so much that's unraveled that I don't even have time to be surprised <laughs> because there's a lot of work to do and there's, you know, things we have to deliver and take care of and make happen daily. Yeah, it's true. Hey guys, we're going to pause for a minute to tell you about one of our partners. Anyone interested in 30% off the best vitamins? We know health and nutrition is important to everyone. One thing that goes hand-in-hand with our health is supplemental care. We've partnered with Dr. C Vitamins to offer you a 30% discount off their premium pharmaceutical-grade and medically-endorsed line of supplements. All vitamins are not created equal. In fact, there is no FDA oversight for supplements. Unlike over-the-counter vitamins, Dr. C supplements are manufactured without commonly found synthetic ingredients. I mean, you guys, who wants synthetics going into our bodies? They're also non-GMO and gluten-free. Their standards are so high, these vitamins are actually manufactured just like a prescription drug would be in an FDA-registered facility. Most vitamins do not subject themselves to this level of oversight. People are always asking if we take these personally, and we do. I take the D3K2 combo to support bone health, memory, mood, and immune support, and their collagen biotin that supports strong hair, nails, and skin. And then when I'm having those nights where I'm having a hard time falling asleep and unwinding, I take the melatonin B6 combo, and it really helps me gently fall asleep naturally. So give them a try, you guys. Go to drccares.com, use our code WEGETTONOW, and save 30% on your next order. Now enjoy the rest of the interview. Let's just stop for a second and talk to everybody about your marinated onions. Okay. Because I'm obsessed. Let's do it. So I made them the first time a couple weeks ago, and I did it wrong. Okay. (laughs) As you reminded me. Because I didn't have the onions totally covered. I had the wrong bowl, and they weren't covered in oil. So I had to, like, keep spooning the oil over and switching the bowl and stuff. But tell everybody what's in the onions. Okay. Here's the thing. It's a simple recipe, yet it involves finesse, and you actually have to follow the recipe. So... 
It's red onions, about one small, half a medium or a quarter of a large, thinly sliced. And we designed this marinated onion bowl because, well, I did it for myself and then other people wanted them and we've sold so many you can't imagine. They're so beautiful, by the way. I'm dying to get one. (laughs) I love them. So you put them in the bowl. They go about just a third of the way up and then you make your marinade in something else. Good olive oil, some red wine vinegar and oregano. You stir it up and you pour it over the onions and the onions are flat. So at that point, they should be covered. If for any reasons your red onions are not covered, you need to pull some out because the proportions are going to be wrong. Mm -hmm. You let them sit on the counter for like 12 hours and you enjoy them on everything. And you don't have to be an onion lover. All kinds of like kids eat them out of the bowl like candy. They get very sweet and they get quote unquote cooked because of the marination process. And they sit out for a while, right? Like three, four days or something? Yeah, three, four days. I mean, if you're living in the tropics, it may not work for you. But because the onions are under the oil, you don't have a problem with fruit flies because the onions are under the oil. So they don't get access to it. And then you can use the leftover marinade. I use it for, well, on my arugula every morning for breakfast. You can use it also for a marinade or a salad dressing. Uh. You can throw it on a chicken. I mean, so it doesn't go to waste. It's so good. I've been cooking for a while. I'm fairly comfortable in the kitchen. And I'm thinking like, I mean, it's onions and some oil and a spice. What's the big deal? So I made them and I was mind blown. I mean, the flavor is so good. And it's good on everything, like you said. Salads, frying up the onions after the fact if you can't use them all. And oh, man. Yes. Just using the oil for anything. For anything. And then your heroin chicken. Oh, just tell us real quick about the heroin chicken. Heroin chicken, you know, if you look at it, you're like, well, isn't that lemon chicken? It's spatchcocking a chicken and you make a marinade with olive oil, lemon, salt, garlic, parsley. Mm. You put it all over and you, you know, taken the spine out and now it's flat. And you let it marinate for 48 hours, flip it in the middle. You cook it for about 45 to 55 minutes at about 375. This lovely fat comes out and you baste it. And it just ends up being delicious. And for whatever reason, it holds beautifully. So if you make it, you have leftover. The next day, it's really delicious. For me, most roast chicken is not delicious the next day. That's just how I am. And it's heroin with an E because you're a hero every time you make it. That's right. And I have people in Istanbul and people in Turkey, and I've got people in the Middle East and all over the world who contacted me, not only about my marinated onions, but my heroin chicken. And they were both family recipes. Mm. They were just family recipes that we enjoyed, that we used. I would have never even dreamed of sharing my marinated onions, but on the stories, you have an opportunity to just kind of show what's going on in your life And I'm always stunned what people react to, that people were like, well, what is that recipe? Well, what is that about? It's never like this is a giant deal, but whatever, from my kitchen to other people's, they've enjoyed them, they've loved them. And then came the bowl because I had an artist make me something with a spout and a little handle, you know, for myself. And then we made 10 extra because it was like, oh, somebody might want it. And, you know, now we sell them weekly and it's like Hamilton tickets. You know, people love the bowl. They're pieces of art. They're numbered. They're gorgeous. And we sell them out every week. You know, we've got people all over using them. And it's really been fun, you know, to tie my kitchen to other people's in a really positive and community-oriented way. Yeah, I love it. And honestly, it's like, if you love the onions, which you will when you make them, you decide you're going to be making them regularly. And then if you're going to make them regularly, you really want the right thing to hold them. And it's like, why not have this beautiful piece of pottery that was made exactly for those onions? I mean, love it. Okay, the heroin chicken. And then I wanted to ask you, I haven't made them yet, but I'm dying to try your preserved lemons. 
It's one of what I call my magic elixirs. And my cooking is sort of based on the idea that my meal prep is that I make all kinds of wonderful sauces and magic elixirs. And they are the things that turn food from ordinary to extraordinary. So things like my confit garlic and confit tomato and preserved lemons, my you know salad dressings and my sauces. Anyways, I have them always. And anything you like a lemony, salty, briny flavor with, they're delicious. And because they're so salted and preserved, you really don't put salt in a dish when you're putting that. For example, how do I use it? How don't I use it? <laughs> you know, take a part of a lemon rind and squeeze it into a soup. Delicious there. It's delicious in a sauce. Blend with mayo. Um, use as part of a salad dressing or in a stew or in a stir fry. So anywhere you like a lemony, briny flavor, which I happen to love. And, you know, what people want to start to do is just get into some intuitive cooking, get into playing in the kitchen. My joy is really about inspiring people old school to just begin cooking again and to get in and feel like you can make mistakes and you can try new vegetables and you can do some of this just from your own inner knowing. Mm. Where do you get your inspiration from for new stuff? Oh, I get my inspiration from everywhere. I mean, I'm on Instagram looking what other people are doing. I mean, Bon Appetit is amazing. Mm. You know, I like to follow and I have lots of great cookbooks. So, you know, my partner Roy is a magnificent cook. So I, I learn a lot from him and I have friends that are foodies. And then I have amazing people that follow me. I have this unbelievable community. And I think one of the things when you say, well, what's different about you is I have a super interactive community on the page and people are excited about what we're doing. And we're talking everything about how to make a difference in the world to what we're making next for dinner. So they give me great suggestions when I'm going to do a new series on something, when I'm like, what do you guys think? Head on out to my last post and give me some great ideas for weeknight dinners. They do. And then I take it and do my own spin on it. So inspiration is everywhere and you only have to look around you to find it. And you're making it approachable. Like the kitchen, it's just like you said, your goal of getting people back into the kitchen. And yeah, your recipes aren't overly complicated, but that's what makes them so wonderful. It's stuff that you want to have in your weekly repertoire. If you're going to be in the kitchen cooking for your family, for yourself, whoever. Yeah, I really love what you're doing. Thank you. Yes. So have you had any kind of cutthroat moments or any kind of, I want to get out of this, I'm over it kind of moments in the last few years? I haven't gotten any, no, I want to get out of it. I'm having a great time. I'm absolutely having a great time. I mean, there are times that we have a lot we've taken on. This has been a huge month for us, Mm -hmm. you know, with clients. And there are moments where you're taking on, again, we're going way beyond our skis. We're doing things that we're really having to, push and be our very best selves. And there are moments of going, this is a lot. I mean, I took on a secret project this last year, which at some point we'll know about totally beyond my skis, totally beyond my level. And it was a year long project. I worked my tail off along with Zach and others. You know, there are moments in that where you're like, I just want a vacation, Mm -hmm. but here's the reality. I'm having this moment. And when you have a moment in the sunshine, you got to ride it. And that's what I've done. So it's never lost on me that it's a privilege I feel really, really grateful. And I also feel a responsibility when I work with brands and clients and I take it all very seriously. I mean, I don't put a post up and walk away and, you know, go have lunch. Mm. So we really take it on and embody for our clients and really help send the message. And we only partner with people that we absolutely are excited about. And, you know, my page has a lot of Whole30, but it's not entirely Whole30. You know, one of the things I love the best in the world is Icelandic Provision Skier. It's so wonderful and it's so great. And it's something I don't react to. So while I have lots and lots of Whole30, even sections on my 
blog, I'm all about food freedom and what food freedom is for each person. And mine includes some cheddar cheese and it definitely includes some skier. And by the same token, I love, you know, many things that are Whole30 because it's my normal basis for eating. How often would you say you have to do a reset? I would say I've done a lot of resets, but right now I'm doing something different, which is just taking those principles of I mostly eat a lot of Whole30 all the time, but I add in now. It's like, but I have feta. And if I go to a restaurant, I don't now ask, do you have sugar in the salad dressing? Because I'm not doing a Whole30. But what I'm doing is more portion control with the idea that Whole30 as a jumping off point is great. So it's like my diet consists of fruits, vegetables, proteins, salads. But if I want to have a half portion of a gluten-free pasta, I absolutely do it. Yeah, I love that. And cheese too for me, like, oh, I just want to have some parm reg sometimes. <laughs> yes. You know, I went through about three years of doing it a different way. And what I've come to, and what I love about Melissa and the whole food freedom thing is food freedom isn't just, you're just doing Whole30. Mm-hmm. Food freedom is really listening to your own body's wisdom, figuring out what works for you, and then going with it. So I feel like I've reset a bunch. I'm doing that basic Whole30 eating, but I'm really now doing food freedom but still as a way to weight loss is doing food freedom. And for me right now, it's clicked in and I'm really getting it and I'm excited about it. That's cool. It's the only sustainable thing it feels like because if you're just in this all or nothing thing, it's too much for me anyways. (laughs) So do you have any mentors in this field? Well, let's see. Tim Turner is a photographer who has been a dear friend and I've known him the entire time our kids were in school and whatnot. He was working on a project and I said, oh, he wanted to kind of get the word out there. I said, well, I got this kind of following on Facebook. And if we want to do a post about it, and you know, at that point, I probably had 150,000 people or something. And so he researched me and said, I can't even believe what you're doing, but you have no idea how to take a picture. So <laughs> he came over and he worked with Zach and I and really taught us things. And then at that point, I said, I would love to just, you know, we can't pay you a lot, but you could be a consultant that we could have meetings with you. We could talk to you. We could talk to you about campaigns and you could teach us. And so we've started a relationship with him and he's absolutely a mentor. He's an eight time James Beard award winning. He's like nominated some of the eight and one other ones, you know, but he's done books for Charlie Trotter and he's been in the industry for a long time. So he's absolutely a teacher for us. And I'm really so grateful to him. He helped us so much. And there's a project that we were able to work on that I'm not able to reveal yet but we were able to have him work on that project with us. And so when it all comes out and everything, it's going to be kind of fabulous. You know, so he's certainly a mentor. And I look for mentors all the time. I mean, I'm just all the time going to people for advice. I mean, Nam Nam Paleo, loveliest person in the world, so fantastic, so inclusive, so amazing. And what you find out is that people who really have done well are often unbelievably humble, unbelievably inclusive and kind, including Melissa Hartwig, who I had the wonderful privilege of meeting this last week. We've known each other virtually. I saw that. I've done, I think, you know, six takeovers for the brand, but they invited me to kick off the Chicago book tour and I got to interview her on stage. And so funny, they were like, well, you'll interview her. And like the day before, I'm like, well, great. What are my questions? They're like, oh no, we, we don't, you ask the questions. We don't know. <laughs> You're like, huh? Yeah. It was like, oh gosh. Uh. <laughs> I got to pull it together. Hang on. Anyways, it pushed me way beyond my skis, but it's like we're in an auditorium with 500 people, you know, on a lit stage. So I have mentors, but mentors can be big and small. I am learning from people all of the time. And I am also willing to help people. People call me all the time, a whole 30 takeovers. How do you do this? How do you do that? What do you think? 
what do you think of my picture? So I'm completely willing to help people. And I am so willing to ask for people for help. No problem at all. And I think when you live in that philosophy, the giving and receiving comes so naturally. What I find is that there's such a spirit of generosity out there mm-hmm. and just avail yourself to it. I love it. I mean, we've had a couple of people on the show actually mention you by name, that you've mentored them and you were just so inclusive and you had so much advice and yeah, they really wanted to mention it in the podcast. So I love that. Yeah, definitely. Like Mac McCreer stands out. There's a few though. I love how inclusive the field is really, like the Whole30 world and the food blogging, but the healthy food blogging, I don't know. It's just a neat community of people in general. It really is. Yeah, it's uplifting and inspiring. So you said you are a cookbook person. Do you have some top favorites? Well, you know, for me, it's the classics. Who doesn't love Ina Garten? I know. You know, who doesn't love Magella Lawson? Yeah. So I would say for me, it becomes more the classics are the cookbooks that I really, really love. I love Sammy Tamimi. He's a partner with Oda Lange. So I've always loved Sammy. Oh, okay. And there are, you know, so many new people having books, putting things out. So it's really fun to see what's happening. And I keep on top of the trends. I know what's going on. I mean... I know to stay in my own lane because I know what I'm doing, but I also know to kind of, you know, see what other people are doing also. And I think both of those are great. If you spend all your time looking in the other lane, it's really going to be a hard journey and you're not going to be driving straight. Mm -hmm. By the same token, if you only are open to your own feedback, that's an issue too. So I really try to balance that. Do you have a favorite recipe that's just again and again every week other than, I mean, I could probably guess, right? You got the marinated onions going every week, but any like meal? Yeah, I got the marinated onions going. I love my, you know, if you're thinking Whole30, my Whole30 salmon burger, my Whole30 paprika burger. Oh, your bunless fish. I love that. Oh, my filet of fish. So good. Passport chicken. The truth is I like my own recipes. I really do. And for Whole30 eating, it's just, they're great. And they're wonderful just to have around in the fridge and have some leftover. So I love when I rediscover, you know, something I've done. Like I've got a wonderful chicken meatball that I do where it's like sometimes you make it and you're like, ah, oh, this is the best thing ever. <laughs> Yum. Is it like an Asian spin or just Italian spin? Yes, it's an Asian spin. Okay. But then I often have other bloggers over. I try to make a commitment to maybe like once a week invite a blogger over. I mean, first of all, it's so great to break bread figuratively and to just have that community. Yeah. And I put myself out there and I invite people that I don't know that, you know, that are possible friends for the future. Do you have a favorite food memory you can share with us? You know, I remember some years ago going to a restaurant called Zinfandel and Rick Bayless, it was his restaurant along with, I think, Susan and Drew Gross, and they have a pot roast there. And I have a version of it now on the blog, an amazing pot roast, you know, with beautiful potatoes and a great gravy. The restaurant has since closed, but it's one of those things that I think about and think, oh, that meal was so amazing. And I'm lucky because I've had the possibility of, you know, I've traveled in my life. I've been places when I go to Paris. I really love the rice pudding from Lamy Louis. And I love going to Bistro Gentil and in Yountville. And I love to, you know, have things there like the beautiful food. So I have beautiful food memories all the time. And then one quick thing I want to talk about is the podcast. Oh, yes. Thank you. Thanks for bringing it up. Yeah, let's talk about it for a minute. I've listened to a couple of them, and I've loved the table talks. Just quickly introduce it to our listeners. So what happened was my daughter, who is with a woman, you know, there were a lot of people that wanted to talk about this experience, about Lucy. Had she come out? What was that? What was our journey around her being a queer person? And, Mm -hmm. you know, and then there was my own discomfort with the word queer, and is that something I should use? So 
we decided with all the questions that we got that people really wanted us to have a conversation. And I wanted to ask Lucy things, things that I had never asked her, like, you use the word queer, but when I grew up, that's like, would be kind of like a slur. Mm-hmm. So out of this became, how do we have a conversation that's authentic to who we are, but I'm not going to do it on live and have haters come on and saying, you know, things. So a wonderful woman who has a podcast, Two Smart Women, she's the head writer for Cards Against Humanity. Her name is Joe Feldman. She said, why don't you do the podcast with me? I know how to do a podcast and I'd love to have you over. And by the way, I love her podcast. So I said, Okay. And Lucy and I went over and we had a conversation where I could ask her things. And my daughter was like so much more eloquent than I am. She was amazing. She blew me away. And she really talked about how to be an ally for LGBTQI, what to do, what it means. And I mean, it went viral. The thing went viral. People were like, oh my gosh, you know, they were blown away by it. So they said, we'd like it if you had more conversations. So once a week I go and I have a conversation with a friend Everything from creating balance, you know, to intentional parenting, to creating a soulful life, how to say a good goodbye, recreating yourself at 50. And recently this one with a farmer that I love to go to, which is all about farmer and buying local and, you know, what does local farming mean? And so it's really been fun for me. I'm way beyond my skis. You know, when I started Instagram, I had 44 followers. So no problem to make a lot of mistakes because no one's watching. That's right. And here is that moment where I am once again, way beyond my comfort zone, doing it, going, you know what? People love them for whatever reason. That being said, I don't know that I'm excellent at it yet, but I know that I'm getting there and people relate to just the sort of every man, you know, sharing about our journey and sharing about you know, kids and life and death and birth and divorce. Yeah. I'm not an expert on balance, but it's like, I'm a person seeking balance. So it was really fun to talk to this teacher with four kids who works full time and runs a library about how do we create balance? So they're kind of like heartfelt conversations with people that I care about. And for whatever reason, it's resonated with people. And I'm just a hundred percent delighted. And I'm a little bit floored and absolutely humbled that so many people show up to listen. Yeah, it's good. It's just people talking about the stuff that we want to talk about in a very relaxed, conversational and insightful way. So check it out, you guys. It's a good podcast. So what are one or two great tips or just a little piece of advice you could give to our listeners about anything, life or food or blogging, any of it? I mean, to me, it's like be yourself, everybody else is taken. Now, of course, Oscar Wilde said that, but it's the philosophy I live by. You know, it's like live in your own self, breathe into your own body, have some fun, find some great people to surround yourselves with, but there's no dress rehearsal. So take life by the horns and live it. If I call you at 9 a.m. on any given day, what are you most likely doing? I'm in the kitchen. I've got other people in here. We're huddling about what to do for the day. Lists are being made. We're answering emails. We're setting things up. We're saying, what can we accomplish today? Someone has gone off to the grocery store. It is a hub and things are only just getting rolling. I mean, I'm in the kitchen by eight and, you know, people arrive different time, but it's the full tilt boogie going on. What's something people would be surprised to know about you? That I watch some shows like Beverly Hills Housewives or New York Housewives. (laughs) People are surprised to know. Occasionally, I'll like make a comment on E, like a very opinionated comment, you know, (laughs) or like I'll be over on Dorinda's page. I'll be like, you know, Dorinda, we like you, but it's not necessary to be that mean to Luann. (laughs) I will be over on a page and like followers will come over and be like, 
oh my God, I don't think I can love you more. Or they'll be like, I love Dorinda and I can't believe you did that. No, you didn't. Yeah. <laughs> so I get both. Like I follow E! News and I often make comments over there. I've almost had to stop because it just ends up stirring up either good or bad. So you've unplugged. How do you decompress? Very hard for me. Let me tell you, in my kid's school, what they would say if you didn't know how to do something was it's an emerging skill, which would mean you don't know how to do it at all. And only at my kid's school could they come up with a compliment, you know. So decompressing isn't my superpower. And you know what? I'm in my 50s. So I'm having this moment. It's like we're going to ride it. But I would say here are some things I love to do. I love to be with my guy. You know, we've been together 11 years and he is my heart and he knows how to take care of me and love me. I'm a strong cup of coffee and he knows just how to handle me. (laughs) So I love spending time with him. I love taking an Epsom salt bath. You know, I love being with the people that I love, you know, occasionally going to a movie and I love to work out. But I would say in the area of what is next for me, I would say, you know, in speaking to Melissa Hartwig and, you know, part of her thing is about pay yourself first. I have never been good at the pay myself first. That's what this next year is about for me is really doing these other things, is really paying myself first and really taking care of myself. Like I'm totally eating great and working out and all of that, but it's also about prioritizing time, not on Instagram, prioritizing time, you know, not replying to everybody. And of course, I love being with my kids. I get on a plane. It's fortunate I work really hard, but I'm able to travel and I travel often because I can work from wherever I am. So traveling and being with my kids makes me happy. Who are three people you love to follow on Instagram? Oh, good question. Well, of course, I'm going to have to start with saying no crumbs left underscore kid. She's my daughter. She has a spinoff account. And, you know, people love her so much that she's like started an account. It was like, you know, she's got like nearly 15,000 followers because she's interesting. Now, if you're looking just for food, that's not what it's about. She's hilarious. She should be on Saturday Night Live. And she's really an interesting human being. So I love following her. I love following my son, no crumbs left other kid. He's a vegan and mostly eats raw. So if somebody's looking for some inspiration on that, you know, I think he's amazing. There is a woman whose name is Myleek. It's M-Y-L-E-I-K. And she is the self-made, badass, unbelievable woman who was following me, messaged me one day, and I just like looked at her account and I was just like, oh my God, she's amazing. (laughs) And I love following her. She's the founder and creator of Curlbox. You know, Essence Magazine is named her like one of the most powerful women. And she's so there for other women. She recently came to my house for lunch. She was coming to town. You know, I said, you've got to come over for lunch. And we just, it's like I met her and it's just like, you're so fantastic. Insta buddies. We're Insta buddies. The same thing with Nam Nam Paleo. She was coming to town and I said, you got to come over for lunch. And she did. So I have an opportunity. I'm a person that gathers people. I created two years ago an event in Napa called Celebration of Food and I invited like 13 bloggers. And I worked out that we got things paid for meals, groceries, hotel rooms, because that's sort of my natural kind of thing. It was so much work. I wouldn't do it again. Sounds awesome though. But I met some really good friends there, you know, Displaced Housewife and Bizarre Lazar and Cook by Color and just some great people that we've become friends and we really support each other. We have a group text going at all times and we check in with each other like, hey, are you having a problem with this? Or, you know, if if a brand is in any way trying to be unfair, (laughs) we check in with each other and go, what are they paying you? You know, we just, we take care of each other. So I love community. I create it wherever I go. I'm a girl's girl and I love helping people and I don't mind asking for help myself. So excluding social media, what is a favorite app on your phone? 
I don't know that I have another favorite app on my phone. Okay, the camera. Oh, well, certainly the timer. Yes, the timer. The camera, the timer. And I use that timer all the time. So I would say the camera or the timer or my Starbucks app, if I'm going to be honest. Yeah, seriously. Between Alexa, like the Alexa timer and then my timer on my phone, I think, man, I use those a lot. (laughs) Yeah, that's my second best friend. Okay, so name the book you currently can't put down. The Dinner Guest. It's by Rebecca Cyril, and she's an amazing author, and she's a woman who's written shows like Famous in Love, and it talks about if you could create you know, a whole group of dinner guests, who would it be? She's actually going to come on my podcast next week, and Rebecca Cyril's book. What's your beverage of choice in the morning and also the evening? Well, first of all, I've been drinking unsweetened passion tea forever. I love Spindrift. It's something I'm really loving. I don't like a sugary sweet drink, so I like that it's sparkling water with real fruit juices and it's not sweet. I'm obsessed with Spindrift, by the way. I'm obsessed with them. I love the raspberry lime is my favorite. It's the best. I have it at all times in my fridge. I'm drinking right now the orange mango. So yeah, I love Spindrift. I got a refrigerator full of it. They sent it to me and I'm like, just keep them coming, people, because we're drinking it. (laughs) And then at night, I mean, I'm not a big drinker. I love a cocktail, but I'm also a girl that is knowing that, you know, your menopausal, you know, all of that is a challenge in terms of losing weight. So I don't drink every day. It's like I say to myself, have two cocktails a week, mostly because I want to eliminate sugar is I'll have a spindrift and vodka or, you know, I'll have a vodka, but that's just really it. And I limit myself to two, maybe three a week, unless I'm traveling. And if I'm on vacation, then I'll set a goal of one a day. Here's the thing about drinking. You just don't need that much. If you have one, you actually feel great. You don't need a whole lot more. So it's so true. Mm -hmm. I set that as a firm limit for myself. It's like, just have one. Yeah. I think I needed to hear that. (laughs) Just have one. It's good. Okay. So what city has you shedding a tear when you have to leave? Paris, for sure. And Napa. What's your current Netflix addiction? I don't know. I don't think I have one. I mean, I like, of course, This Is Us, you know, and I don't know what is Netflix and what isn't. Like, I'll just get on and try to find what I can see. So I'm not a Netflix addicted person. Here's the thing. I don't have a lot of personal time. I prioritize staying with Roy most nights because, you know, he is a priority for me. Then I prioritize working out, you know, because there's that. So when we're together, we don't really watch TV at his house. And on the nights I stay at home, that's when I'll watch like the housewives or like Andy Cohen, watch what happens live or like this is us. But I don't watch TV a lot because I simply don't have time to do that. Any favorite beauty product found in your bag at all times? I love a NARS eyeliner. I've got a MAC lipstick and there's a cheek stain that I have that's just natural, but lovely. I don't put a lot of makeup on. I take really good care of my skin. I moisturize every day and just, I wear a little bit of makeup. Do you have a celebrity crush? Oprah. I mean, who is everybody's celebrity crush? Yeah. (laughs) What's one food you would never eat? I don't like truffles. I just don't like them. Mostly I don't like truffle oil and truffle salt. I have an aversion to truffles And they kind of just make me not feel well smelling them. I know. And like one drop affects the entire meal, I find. I literally will ask people, like, if they're going to have truffles, like, I almost say to people, could you not? (laughs) And if they do, I don't want to sit next to them because you can smell it everywhere. I mean, I don't care if somebody's eating something, but it's the smelling it is just awful. What meal would you choose as your last meal? Oh, my gosh. I have 
no idea. It's so hard, right? Yeah. But I mean, you know, I want to go to a restaurant in Paris and have like a lovely potato cake with a beautiful chicken and maybe mashed potatoes also. Best gift you've ever received? Well, that's a good question. My dad bought my mom a really lovely ring that she wore for years and years and years. And before she died, she was very sick. And it was like, what will happen with the ring? How will we figure it out? One of the things my dad did was that he went out and bought my sisters and I each a beautiful diamond so that we would have like a little triplet of my mother's. Mm. So that was really beautiful. And the best gift I ever really received was having amazing parents who believed in us, who loved us, who championed us, and who made us believe that not only was it incumbent upon us to make a difference, they taught us that we could do anything and we believed them. What's the best gift you've ever given? My kids went to a school in Chicago, it's a private school, and there were definitely kids in their same class. And when it was time to go off to college, they weren't in a position to do it. So I created a group of people. I contacted a group of parents and said, I'd really like to help allow this kid to go to school. And, you know, could we partner together as a group that went beyond his financial aid? And I'm proud to say that a group of people did it. Mm. We did it continually for four years. And giving that gift of education was it was a blessing for me. So really, it was a gift that he gave me. I love that. That's my favorite answer so far on this podcast. I love it. Okay, one last question. What's the greatest life advice you've ever received? You know, I think that's hard to answer. And I would probably have to think about it for a week. But Ray Kroc said, when you're green, you're growing. And I agree. I do too. Constantly learning, right? So important. Absolutely. Okay, Terry, this has been a real joy talking to you today. So before I sign off, can you tell everybody where they can find you on social media and online? Absolutely. So no crumbs left, one word. My favorite child is Instagram. So come find me on Instagram. I have great step-by-step stories and we have a lot of fun. I'm also on Facebook and I've got the blog, No Crumbs Left. But in terms of really replying and all the interacting, that happens on Instagram because it's the one I really watch over. Okay, Terry, I can't wait to hear the secret announcement be revealed. And I'm just so excited we got to talk today and I'm going to be following you. I love it. I mean, here's the best part about the secret announcement. It's been announced on other platforms. I'm just not able to announce it on mine yet. Ah! (laughs) So some people know because people with giant Instagrams have announced it. Oh, wow. But we'll be hearing more later and I'll be talking a lot about it. Maybe when this news comes out, you'll let me come back. Yes, definitely. Okay, thanks. Thanks so much for having me. Such a pleasure. Okay, bye-bye, Terry. Bye-bye. Okay, Jade, so time for a little host-to-host chat. I wanted to mention what I did last weekend. So Michaelin Smith, she is known on social media handles as The Nester, and her blog is The Nester. But she wrote a design book. It's called Cozy Minimalist Home. She was a guest on our podcast a couple weeks back, so if you haven't listened to it, go check it out. She's on a book tour right now, which is probably over by the time this airs, but she was kind enough to invite us up to attend. And I happened to be in Dallas, which was one of the stops on the tour. And so I got to meet her and see her beautifully designed cozy, tiny barn that her husband and a couple of their friends and collaborators built from scratch. So it was a really cool event. And your mom came along with me. I was up visiting her for the weekend. I know. Yeah. 
So it was fun. Or cousins. You haven't caught that, listeners. But yeah, my mom and dad are in Dallas. And so my cousin Tedra head out and you got to stay with them. And by the way, I wasn't, I didn't know Mike Lynn until we interviewed her. And I've checked out the book and I'm such a fan. I really love her advice. And I've actually already just taken a couple of the tips into my own home to a couple of the rooms that I just feel so uninspired about. And she's got awesome tips for just changing a room and getting kind of like the clutter out, cleaning it up. It's the cozy minimalist. So it's like, it's not true hardcore minimalism, but it's still pretty and nice and inspiring. I'm all about her. Yeah. Well, one thing I thought was kind of fun is she's the first person that we've interviewed on the show that I've actually got to meet in person. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> so that was kind of cool and rewarding. And of course, her team is super great and welcoming. So it was kind of cool. It's a fun weekend. Anyway, that was my little fun weekend. Yeah. So we want to thank you guys for listening today. And if you like the show, we'd love for you to head over to iTunes and give us a positive review. You can find us at wegettoknow.com where you can sign up for our newsletter. And we're on social media at We Get To Know. Head over to Instagram. We'd love to hear from you and get your opinions on guests and show ideas. Our music is provided by the talented Blake Atwell of Studio 1916. Until next time, take care as we continue to get to know all of our favorite people. 